Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is very easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are, of course, contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BUFFALO. That's $5 off your uh, meal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BUFFALO. Don't forget, that's code BUFFALO for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, well, hello, everyone. Welcome into our first post-game show of the 2020 season of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscalia. With me is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn, here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Thank you all for joining us here after the Bills defeat the New York Jets by a score of 27-17, to a score that was far closer than the talent on the two teams would indicate, but... There were a few different reasons why the Bills were not able to fully put away the Jets, but even so, the Bills had a dominant first half that led them to a victory, and even though they had some soft spots in the in the second half, it was still a uh, a pretty solid win throughout to get them to 1-0 and on the season. Of course, the big story is Josh Allen getting his first career 300-yard passing game and completing over 70% of his passes, which uh, both pretty uh, pretty good stuff if you're tracking him from a statistical perspective. Now, we're, we're going to get into more of his day and maybe some opportunities that were left on the field, but also some of the good parts of his game that, uh, that really shone through today. We'll, we'll get into all of that, including stuff about Stephon Diggs and and the defense and some of the injuries that they're facing. We're going to cover it all. So we're, we're here for you. So Matthew Fairburn, um, from first glance with Josh Allen, if you had to choose a few words about Josh Allen's day, what kind of stuck out to you more than anything with him? I would say at times this was typical Josh Allen, but – at times, it was a, a higher level of typical Josh Allen than we've seen. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, they they reinvented the offense in some ways from what it has been the last few years. They're going with a lot of quick passes. We saw this in the, the scrimmage during training camp. A lot of short passes, a lot of quick passes, getting the ball out of Josh Allen's hand, building some confidence in, you know, early on in games where you know you can give him some easy throws to get him going and get him in rhythm and and keep him you know playing within himself and a lot of designed runs which is something else we saw a bit of during training camp 
they are leaning into Josh Allen, the runner, which is probably in some ways a good thing, but I think they overdid it a little bit in the first half. Uh, He set a career high with 14 rushes. He lost two fumbles uh, and took a lot of hits. Uh, I think against a team, you know, better than the Jets, uh, you know, he either ends up hurt or those turnovers, you know, cost them uh, a little bit more. But as a passer, this is one of the better games he's had. I, I mean, you know, from a counting stats standpoint, you know, the 300 yards, first guy to do that in regulation for the Bills since Kyle Orton in 2014. So that was a, a positive sign. He completed 70% of his passes. He he didn't really push the ball down the field, but, you know, took what the defense gave him, had a few near interceptions, wasn't perfect, but overall I, I think it's what you would want, um, you know, I think it's what you would want out of his, you know, start to the season, no preseason, uh, you know, a shortened training camp, no off season. He didn't, he didn't look bad by any means. I thought it was one of his better games that we've seen him play. And to see the offense play the way it did in the first half where you had, uh, you know, they really just pulled away from the jets early. Uh, and, you know, we talked about this in the, the preview podcast, you know, wondering, if they were going to be the type of team that could get out to a fast start and put a team away. Well, they got, they did one of those things. Uh, they didn't do both, but uh, I think for Allen, it was uh, better than we've seen his, his, you know, even with some of the, the lulls in the middle of the game, I think he fought through them, you know, good enough. It, it's hard to tell how good was Josh Allen and how bad are the jets, you know, which, how much, uh, you know, was each, playing into what we saw on the field today. Uh, but overall, I, I think particularly in the passing game, some positive signs from Allen, but he's definitely got to stop fumbling. Yeah, that's for sure. That that was the, the biggest liability of his game. And um, now that ups him over his last 18 games, he has 18 fumbles total. And that's that's not going to get the job done. He, he needs to protect that ball more. And it's not as though... It was. It's just a, a four five game thing. This is extending into a second season now, where he is fumbling once per game, and that's especially in these games where you're going up against opponents that are better than what the Jets are. I mean, the Jets just they looked horrible. Like that. That was an embarrassment of a first half and quite frankly the the second half was was pretty embarrassing for for them as well even though they they righted the ship a, a little bit they kind of lucked into the build- being in the game yes you know the screen pass yes, was a little did. bit of a fluky play Tremaine Edmonds got hurt on the play and Crowder gets the 69 mm-hmm. yard touchdown the first missed field goal from Tyler Bass I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it on the broadcast but there's apparently some debate uh, that perhaps it was good. It was right on the edge. I mean, mm. when you're kicking from 38 yards, I think you'd rather not leave it up to debate. Um, but, sure. uh, you know, so a kicker missing a 38-yard field goal to begin with is a little bit lucky uh, from the Jets' standpoint. And then just the, the fumbles, right. a lot of stuff that they weren't, they were kind of just tripping into like, oh, hey, we're in this game. Uh, didn't mean to do that. Uh, like didn't, didn't even realize we were playing a football game here for a little while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they were, but at no point during the game did I think, wow, the jets really have it rolling. It was just, they were exactly. somehow in it, which probably says more about the bills than it does the jets. Right. So I, I think the, the, the point I was 
weaving towards was the fact that Josh Allen fumbled twice. He's not going to be able to get away with that against better opponents because the Jets were just hapless on defense and they, you know, the Bills rightfully took advantage of their weak spots and that's what good teams do. They find the weakness of the opponent and they pulverize it. And that's what the Bills did in the first half, very much to their credit. You know, he had the fumble uh, on the first drive of the game. It seemed like they were starting to move the ball. And then later on in the in the first half, fumbled it away again. Um, it really felt like the Bills should have been up at least 27 to nothing at halftime or 27 to three at halftime and quite possibly 35 to nothing uh, if they were able to capitalize with touchdowns on on the two drives that Allen fumbled it away. Um, it, it just it just seemed like the score line was a little bit light based on the way that the Bills dominated them. And, and that has to do with the fumbles from Allen. And that's something that he definitely needs to um, get under control. But I will say, just because he had those fumbles, um, it doesn't take away from what he did throughout the entirety of the game. And, you know, the, you, you brought up the, the short, quick passing attack. And they were right to do that because I think the one major advantage that this receiving core has over a lot of secondaries out there, not just the Jets, even though the Jets have one of the worst secondaries in the league, um, it's that they have three legitimately good to great, based on their talent level, um, route runners and with the ability to separate. And you ha- when you have three players that can do that, you can do some damage in the intermediate area and then when you combine that with the fact that Josh Allen seems to be at his most comfortable throwing the ball when he's targeting the intermediate passing attack you know for, forget the the downfield throwing and I know that they want to mix it in every every now and again and they they want to hit on those passes more frequently than before but these quick hitting routes and some of these timing and anticipation routes that Allen was hitting today um, a few times it's just it it lends itself to thinking this is this is the formula for Josh Allen. This is how they they can get him going as a passer. And of course, it's not always going to be that easy. It's not always going to be as easy of an opponent. Uh, an opponent, and other teams are going to get a better pass rush on Allen than than the Jets were today. But this is a great starting point for him. And of course, a 300 yard game is a good starting point. But he also uh, attempted uh, over. 40 uh, passes today, which definitely helped him get there. So all that said, he did some really nice stuff today. And I want to give him all the credit for doing that. He does have some things he needs to clean up. But if the Bills are looking at this game and going, okay, this guy was off from January and away from the team until early August. I think I'm okay with, with what Josh Allen did in week one. You know, opponent notwithstanding, I think that's a that's a really good um, base for them to build off of, and if he can start getting uh, getting the ball security issues under control, if he can begin to um, hit some of these other throws with a little bit more accuracy, he had a couple of um, he had a couple of spots where he tried to force a ball in and got away without um, throwing an interception. Um, he had uh, another clearly missed opportunity to score a touchdown where um, Cole Beasley ended up 
having to dive for a pass that gained 29 yards, but he was wide open running down the seam and a good in-stride pass would have put Beasley into the end zone after another 30 yards of, of running after the catch. So those were that was a huge missed opportunity. There was another missed opportunity in the end zone to John Brown, another one to Dawson Knox in the back corner of the end zone. So there are things he can clean up, but he did pretty well with his new receiver. He did pretty well in the intermediate area. And the one like low-key spot that he improved was his ability as a passer and to um, deceive the defense on screens. The screen game was much improved from what it was last year. Yeah, it certainly was. They, and I think that's where, you know, you take the good here and you don't dismiss the bad, but there's going to be – he's right. the type of guy that's going to miss some throws. I don't know that he's ever going to be a quarterback that, that is, you know, there's going to be the occasional game where, where he's really feeling it, but he's going to miss some throws. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. It's a hard thing to improve over time. Uh, and so, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to border on reckless at times as well, which he did today, um, quite a bit. Uh, you know, there was a few missed interceptions, uh, you know, in addition to the throws that you talked about that he missed, but it's the improvement in the easy stuff. Um, you know, yes. and I, I think that's a big deal. Um, when I spoke with Brad Childress late in the week, we were sort of talking about this idea of like what makes a franchise quarterback, how do you know, and um, what the certain benchmarks are. And he brought up Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, saying that all he needs is Jimmy Garoppolo to make seven to nine plays, you know, above expectation, uh, plays where you're like, wow, like, you know, that guy, you know, made that play. And other than that, mm -hmm. um, you know, if he can do that, they're happy with it. And, yeah, he gets paid a lot of money, probably more money than you would pay a guy that you would say, oh, seven to nine plays. But, uh, you know, the the thing is, in addition to that, they need Jimmy Garoppolo to just not screw up the routine. Uh, and that's kind of what Brad mm -hmm. Childress said. He's like, half of the battle sometimes is showing up and taking the plays that are in front of you. And Josh Allen didn't always do that in his first two NFL seasons. He missed a lot of easy plays or turned easy plays into really hard plays or uh, turned an easy play into a negative play sometimes by scrambling and missing what was, uh, you know, sitting right there in front of him. And the other interesting thing is Brad Childress always said his magic number was 53 rushing attempts and pass completions, um, you know, for the team to, you know, kind of, be in a good spot for your offense to be clicking. If you've got 53 is kind of the magic number. Bills had 55 today. So um, th mm -hmm. that that's what you look for is, uh, you know, an offense that is staying on schedule. They dominated time of possession. And they did, you know, I, I like the fact that Brian Dable took – you know, the game plan and, it, or you know, took the matchup and, and played around with the offense a little bit to, uh, and, and has adjusted his offense to the pieces that they have. They're spreading out more. It's not a situation where you say, oh, well, this Gabriel Davis kid looks really good, but we only play three receivers. Sorry, Gabe. Like, no, they put four receivers mm -hmm. on the field. Um, you know, they made Lee Smith inactive, uh, didn't need him. In another game, maybe they need him uh, if the game plan's a little bit different, but that ability to kind of adapt and be malleable in what you do, I think is, you know, a, a good sign for an offensive coordinator. Now he should also probably be a little 
you know, more flexible and not running Josh Allen the way that he did. Uh, but I think true they seemed to smarten up in the second half. He was pacing for you know twenty carries after the first half. He still set a career high with fourteen, but didn't go crazy in the second half running the ball, which is obviously a good thing when you're up three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think he would have, there, there was a couple of times that, that Allen put himself in, um, harm's way more so than he should have. Uh, and that he'll need to clean up, but I don't know if he can clean that up because it just kind of seems like it's ingrained into who he is as a runner when he, when he tucks the ball. Uh, the other really good thing that I thought Josh Allen did, uh, today and I, I want to pick back up on your um, how Dable shifted his offense in just a second. But the one, the other good thing that Josh Allen really did today uh, was, and it, and it goes, it goes under the radar because we've gotten so used to it. But when you haven't seen him in a while, I haven't seen him do it in a while. You're like, oh wow, he really makes things happen with this. It's his contact balance uh, in the backfield. There were so many times where a Jets defender got a hand on him, tried to get two hands on him, tried to bring him down. And they couldn't because he's just strong. He's got good balance, and he's able to fight through it and keep plays alive. Sometimes he would throw the ball away. Sometimes he would he would uh, tuck it and run for a, for a few yards. Sometimes he would throw the ball when when plays would break down. I mean, that is such an advantage to have a quarterback that is able to do that. As long as he doesn't make a boneheaded play at the end of it once he's when, once he gets out of the pressure, which Allen did as a rookie, but he hasn't really done it as much um, after that. Uh, in the in his second season, or certainly not today. So I think that's 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 a major advantage that they have that not a lot of quarterbacks bring. So I I, I did like that as well for him. But back to the the Dayball point because I think it's it's a good one. The Jets defense, I mean the the secondary is kind of in tatters at this point their best player is Marcus May who's a safety he was flying around out there and even he was banged up a little bit he had an injury coming into the week Uh, I actually thought he had a he had a pretty good game but everyone else besides him you're talking Pierre Desir um, Blesswan Austin who was a six-round pick back in 2019 Uh, Nate Hairston was getting legitimate run at cornerback today I mean they just they just had no answers whatsoever so because they have no no cornerbacks um, of value and um, no cornerback depth because of it. Dable smartly went, all right, we're going to spread you out. And he, he came out in a four wide receiver set for a good portion of that first drive. They went four receivers uh, for, I believe, 20 of their 89 snaps today, uh, which is at least from, from what I was tracking today. And they were in a three wide receiver, at least three wide receivers for 86 out of their 89 snaps today. The only three exceptions were when they ran eight offensive line when they did the the Josh Allen bootleg run for a touchdown. And then the two kneel downs at the end of the game. Everything else was 11 personnel. And it was uh, it was well struck by Brian Dable. The Jets had no answer for it. They didn't have anyone that could cover Stefan Diggs or John Brown or even Cole Beasley for that matter, even though Beasley had kind of a, a down game, dropped a pass and, you know, wasn't really getting open as much. Um, but, but yeah, that, that was his game plan. But I do suspect that uh, we should not expect that to be the norm 
with him because it was a very clear advantage for them with with those cornerbacks that they knew that they had to exploit. Uh, I don't know that they'll want to go for wide receiver every week. I know they want to establish the run more than they did um, this week, but when you just have that much of an advantage, you just gotta you just gotta keep crushing it, and that's that's exactly what they did. And to their credit, um, they got the job done. Forty plus pass attempts later, three hundred plus passing yards, and uh, heck, Josh Allen accounting for. 91% of the team's yardage today. Uh that's that's a that's that's a pretty big deal there. Yeah, he was the offense and Yep. That's what I wrote actually. <laughs> and and you know, he's Brian Dable the, the hallmark of the New England Patriots offenses and the school that Brian Dable comes from is that you change week to week. You can, you know, beat teams in different ways. We'll see if this Bills offense has the ability to morph into a team that can beat you in a different way than than they did today. But this is a way that we haven't really seen them win uh, on offense in mm-hmm. you know, the last couple of years under Dable. They've certainly played plenty of shotgun and spread it out when it warrants it, but they've never had this talent at receiver or um, you know, this type of, you know, Josh Allen now is able to understand more uh, about the offense and then you can build more onto it. You don't have to be uh, as basic. You can throw in a game plan like this one uh, and he can handle it because he's been in the offense now. Uh, this is his third season. So mm-hmm. that's the benefit of having, uh, you know, taking your time with quarterback development and having the same offensive coordinator year over year, um, you know, whether they – have the right offensive coordinator and, and right quarterback, we'll find out by the end of the year. But there's clearly benefits to keeping that group intact and letting them mm-hmm. build off of one another because, uh, you know, changing things around and, and moving the pieces around, you get what Sam Darnold was today. Um, you know, oh kind my of gosh, what just happened a mess. to Sam Darnold? I it's mean, so depressing to see this. Well, he's got no talent around him. I, uh, that's you know, true. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell went down with an injury today. He was having an okay game before that. Um, his receivers, he was you know down to Chris Hogan and Jamison Crowder, essentially. And the offensive line is, is really a patchwork group. And p- you're playing from behind basically right away. And it's, and again, he's, you know, I mean, he was an imperfect quarterback prospect in his own right, but to, you know, have to play with multiple different coaches and uh, have so many different pieces around him, especially in an off season like this one, it's going to, you're going to get what you got. Uh, That's kind of that, you know, and he's not a guy that necessarily seems to thrive in, uh, you know, when things are going poorly uh, and when, you know, the situation isn't kind of perfect around him. Plus the bills have a really good defense Uh, that, helps too right you know josh allen naturally is going to look a lot better than sam darnold because he doesn't have to play against the bills defense um which is a really good group uh especially against a shorthanded jets offense but yeah i think it was um you know strong you know strong job by by dable and allen today uh you know getting the job done not perfect but hey with no preseason games um you can excuse a few hiccups early on especially when the the end result uh, was so strong yeah, um, let's get into Stefan Diggs and uh, hey, even Cody Ford. Now that uh, the secret's out, 
Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that in just a second. But first, a some some messages from our sponsors. First of which from Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee shops, our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. And of course, a lot of you have probably cut the cord in terms of your your cables uh provider and we've got a lot of sports happening these days uh you have uh you have the football season in full force now baseball happening and um the premier league just started back up this past weekend uh hockey playoffs still going basketball playoffs still going so you should jump on in to fubo.tv and there's a lot of good stuff to to think about when you're thinking about fubo.tv when you're trying to get those live sports they have a lot going right now you know you can get 15 percent off your first month a standard base plan where you can have two screens going at once a, a family plan where three people can watch it at once 30 hours of dvr you can get your local pro- broadcasts uh, NBC Sports is included on the national feed where you get your uh, your Sunday night games uh, of, of football. Um, we know it's a tough time for a lot of folks, but if you want to save money, $50 for month, per month is more affordable than other cable providers uh, it, with what you can get for, for Fubo.tv. So with the NFL season here, Fubo.tv will not disappoint you. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. Go to Fubo.tv.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's Fubo.tv.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. Okay, let's chat a little bit about Stefan Diggs because, uh, you know, we all saw what he did, um, the eight catches, running incredibly good routes probably got held a far uh, a far more times than uh than it was actually called on the defense there um but Diggs was definitely an impact player today someone that Josh Allen continued to look to early and often but the reason why I bring up Diggs is because uh our Matthew Fairburn here actually watch digs from a bit of a different perspective and a unique one that I don't know that you're going to, you're going to find anywhere else. So um, Matthew, what was your, what was your concept? I know you just wrote about it. You filed and I'm sure it's going to be out by the time people are listening to this. So what, what uh, was the idea behind it and, and what did you see? Yeah. Given that, you know, we were kind of debating leading up to the season, like whether even being at the game would be worth it. Um, you know, like what, with all these interviews happening over, you know, Zoom and everything else, it was like, well, let's, you know, go to this first game, see what's what. And my thought was, well, if I'm going to be there, I might as well see something I can't see on TV. And I thought Bills fans are probably missing most the ability to watch a guy like Stefan Diggs, like mm-hmm. everywhere he goes. So I was like, I'm just going to, have my binoculars out and follow Stefan Diggs everywhere he goes. He's also a guy that has made some headlines for the wrong reasons in the past for his behavior on the sideline. They don't always show the sideline on TV. So 
sort of following him from warm-ups through the end of the game uh, and then watching every single snap through the lens of Stefan Diggs was enlightening for sure. And it's weird because when you're in the press box, certainly you're not hearing everything that's going on on the sideline or going on on the field. Right. And Stefan Diggs is a big talker, uh, but you could easily see the the energy he brought to the sideline. Like there are plenty of guys that go and there's nothing really wrong with this. You go back to the sideline, you sit on the bench, maybe grab the iPad, grab some water or whatever, take a look at some plays, kind of keep to yourself. Stefan Diggs was talking all the time, like going back and talking to somebody or getting up and giving out high fives to guys who may or may not have been looking for them, like constantly moving around and just keeping the energy going. And I think it, you know, it turned out to be a little bit more, um, interesting even than I thought, because, you know, I wasn't sure how, how interesting it would be. Like maybe you follow this guy around and he doesn't do much, but in a day, on a day when there was no fans in the stands, having a guy that could bring what he brings to the huddle and to the sideline, I think was pretty valuable for this team. And mm-hmm. uh, every guy, you know, I asked about it was, you know, immediately started laughing when I, you know, asked, you know, what Stefan Diggs energy was like. They're like, man, that guy does not stop talking. Like he does not stop going. <laughs> like he is nonstop with the energy and Mitch Morris brought up the third quarter when they were kind of in a lull, uh, missed field goals, the long touchdown from the jets. And it was Diggs who was kind of walking around firing everybody up. Now, you know, in the past, he's said that his passion gets mistaken for other things. Obviously his emotion has spilled over in a negative way a few times in his career, but you know, in a game like this one, it's easy for that not to happen. You're, winning by a lot. Uh, there's little moments of adversity, but not really um, true adversity, right? They're, oh, down or up only 10, like so much adversity. But, you know, there were some of those moments that tested him. Like you said, he was getting held a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting beat up a little bit and didn't really, he's not the type of guy that's always looking for the flag. Um, he knows when he's been held and Seems like he's willing to let the corner know it as much as the ref. Um, You know, he's not always looking for it. He's not really complaining about it. He's just going about his business. He draws plenty of penalties. He was open a lot more than um, he was thrown to. And he was the, you know, leading, you know, he had more receptions than anybody in this game with eight. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting. It was like, you know, certainly you watch one guy like that. He's going to be open a lot more than, um you realize when you're not right, you're, he's going to be open basically every play, especially a guy like Diggs. Uh, but it was right. that energy on the sideline and kind of the emotion that clearly had an impact on his teammates that I think was even more valuable in, in an empty stadium because the fact that he could still summon that and kind of spread it around to the rest of the group, I think did have an impact. And, um, you know, it paid off in the end. It was like he wore down that defense the way he was running routes and eventually just, you know, probably had some of his best stuff in the second half, including that 27-yarder that, that sort of iced the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, those those cornerbacks had no – had had nothing uh, against the way he sets up his routes and how he can just break off of uh, the top of his route. It's, it's, it's a fun thing to watch, and I'm – you know, I'm really looking forward to it, for those that subscribe to Game Pass, um, to those that watch the coaches' film. 
to actually watch his routes on a play-to-play basis. I mean, they're they're fun. There's a reason why um, when as soon as they traded for Stefan Diggs and I went back and did the whole watch almost 800 of his snaps thing, there was a reason why I'm like, oh my god, this is they're 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 getting a different class of route runner coming up here, and so uh, he definitely proved that in that first game, and yeah, definitely looked the part and. I would assume as long as uh, the Bills are, you know, staying afloat and you know, pushing the ball down the field like they did today, and um, getting him involved, and heck, even if he doesn't get involved, as long as they're winning, uh, I think I think he would be fine. It's just a matter of winning, getting him involved, and uh, and and if they're not winning, then making sure that he's able to make an impact because he's like you said, he's getting open a ton. That's just who he is. It's how the ability that he has. He's in the prime of his career. He's 26 years old. He's able to beat most cornerbacks uh, off the line of scrimmage. This is this is a, a grade A player that the Bills have, and uh, Josh Allen rightly took advantage of that today. So uh, that that's going to be a cool little piece. I'm looking forward to reading it. Of course, we're recording it before um, a, a lot of our stuff ended up getting uh getting out there it's still in the process of being edited but uh, i would encourage you all to uh go and check that out because it'll be out by the time you are hearing this all right let's uh let's get into cody ford shall we i've i've the embargo has been lifted my friend cody ford the right guard of of the buffalo bills i thought he actually played extremely well in that role and we've we've talked about this a lot i mean i think Dating back to last preseason, we've been talking about Cody Ford and whether or not he's a better fit for for guard or tackle. And, you know, the it just seems he always seems more comfortable on the inside. And there is nothing that I saw uh, from today that would indicate otherwise. I mean, he just it just he just looks like a natural there more so than he does a tackle. He look kind of looks like a fish out of water at tackle because he has to deal with the speed around the edge. And of course, he probably wouldn't have looked uh, as as bad at tackle today as he would have against some other opponents because the Jets really don't have a great uh, speed rusher coming off the edge. But even even still, he looked he looked like he fit right right at right guard. And I thought Daryl Williams played fairly well as well. Um, have to go and see the actual all 22 stuff to see exactly what they did. But I mean, just first glance, I think both of those guys played really well. And, uh, and yeah, I think, I think at this point, if Ford continues along the track of playing that level, uh, that level of that consistency, you got to think about keeping him there. I mean, there's, there's, you don't want to continue just move him around all the time uh, and I know it's harder to fill the right tackle spot, but having a guy like Darrell Williams might make that a little bit more of an easy transition. Yeah, I certainly um, cannot sit here after telling people that I watched every single thing Stephon <laughs> Diggs and offer True. <laughs> any sort of um, authoritative statement on the play of the offensive line. I will say the running game is an interesting uh, element of of what happened out there today. Certainly their overall rushing yards will look okay because of Josh Allen, but what they got out of their running backs uh, wasn't great. Uh, you know, they, and, and this is a tough jets run defense. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to going back and watching what the offensive line did because, yeah. because I think it's a real test uh, of, you know, what you are as a group from a communication standpoint and, and certainly from a physicality standpoint and what you want to be because that group brings it. And I know Greg Williams was 
bringing the blitz probably too much, um, you know, which again is why Dable was going with the quick passes so much. Um, I still have some faith in this running game, uh, especially when you have a quarterback who can, you know, bail the running game out. I mean, they had 98 yards rushing, uh, not a great day. Uh, 3.1 yards a, a carry isn't the best. Uh, I think they were over 100 before the kneel downs. But, you know, I, I think that's something I'll, I'll be curious to go back and look at, see what, what went wrong there. And I think right. against different defenses, um, you know, that'll be a different story. Uh, but I, I do think the combo of Cody Ford and, and Daryl Williams is the right combo to start with there. And yeah, maybe, I don't know, I, I, they're going to have a decision to make when John Feliciano gets healthy. Uh, because Cody Ford, if he plays well at guard and that looks like his best spot for the future, then you keep him. You, you keep him there. And Daryl Williams, I mean, you're not heavily invested in John Feliciano, despite the fact that I thought he had a good year last year. He's clearly a, a valued member uh, of the locker room from a leadership standpoint. And, um, you know, Josh Allen really likes him, but uh, a lot might depend on, you know, Daryl Williams. But, you know, do you want to mess with it and, and move Cody Ford out if, you know, his development is important too. Certainly the team's success in 2020 is at the top of the list, but um, you want to find the best spot for Cody Ford because if he becomes a really good guard, uh, that's a nice mm-hmm. pick in the second round. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, you know, you can address tackle at a different time or maybe Daryl Williams pans out. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was a really good tackle. So, uh, it's possible that they've got a, a good line here. Uh, like I said, something I'll definitely have to go back and watch because uh, not something I was paying close attention to today. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm i glad you brought up that that last part of the discussion up because that's actually something I, I touched on in the, my postgame observations. And I, I think the Feliciano point is an interesting one. Like, what do you do if, if Cody Ford looks good at right guard? You don't You don't move him. I mean, if, if he looks like he belongs there, then keep him there. It's it's it would be the opposite of what you're trying to do for for the guy's career, especially if you want him to be a good second round pick or a good player. Put him where he's best. And it's looking like he's better at guard than he has a tackle. But, you know, I, I'll wait. I'll wait to see what what he did um, from a film perspective. But if as long as he did hold up and he continues to hold up, I think you're setting yourself up for a Quentin Spain versus John Feliciano debate because Spain, while, you know, average, solid, not exactly the type of offensive lineman that they usually like. Um, And it's because, I mean, he's got the, the toughness element to him. He's got the physicality element to him, but he doesn't really move all that well. And he does tend to give up some pressures. He struggles when he pulls from from uh, his spot at left guard to to the right side. He's not really that good in space in in front of getting out in front of screens and things like that. Um it, whereas John Feliciano is good in all of those areas or offers a a better um consistency than a Quentin Spain would and he still brings the nastiness. Uh you'll probably sacrifice a little bit in strength, but you're still gaining in all of those other areas that you like to run so frequently as an offense. So if Cody Ford looks the part at right guard, I wonder if they just go, all right, we're going to put Feliciano at left guard because he's played there. Uh, he did that in 2018 with the Raiders before he came to the Bills. He's he's comfortable over on that side. And it's not as though Quentin Spain and his deal 
I mean, he's signed to what five million a year, but um, next year, if they wanted to get out of Quentin Spain, you his cap hit is five million, and you can save four million of that uh, right back. Yeah, he's got so one million in dead cap. I mean, yeah. It, so it's it's not preventative by any means. A very um, misleading three-year, fifteen million dollar contract. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a one-year deal all the it's way. It's really just a one-year deal, and mm-hmm. whether they move on from him, you know, obviously, you know, all this is kind of just looking down the road. But yeah, you're yeah. looking for your best five, short and long term, and I don't see necessarily a long-term spot for Quentin Spain. Um, but for now, you know, he's, he's, you know, fine as your left guard, he's pretty good. And I, I, you know, I think John Feliciano is the type of guy that they want to find a spot for him. Uh, I know they really like him and thought he played really well last year, but, uh, good problem to have. And one that not a lot of NFL teams have is finding a spot for too many offensive linemen. And, you know, they've got a pretty deep group up front and, Let's face it, by the time John Feliciano is healthy, somebody else might be hurt. That's the way this league works. That's the way that position works, and it's why they've built the depth that they have. So uh, I think it's it's not anything uh, that's going to cause them a whole lot of stress. No, I, I agree with you there. All right, let's, uh, let's get to some talk of the defense in just a moment. But before we do that, we wanted to get you a, a message from our sponsors at Liquid IV. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, so we haven't touched much on the defense here, and because, you know, they looked like they basically always do uh just solid and consistent and and everything along those lines the cornerbacks look good sam darnold really looked like a shell of himself they were putting enough pressure on them ed oliver i thought had a really nice day despite only getting one assisted tackle he he was just awesome in the middle of that defense um and almost played uh 70 of snaps today which was a huge jump from from what he was a year ago uh, but I think the big story, and this is a very obvious one, just because the way that it happened, it was like, oh, come on, another one, another one, um, were all the injuries at linebacker. 
it started early in the game with Delshawn Phillips getting a, a quad injury, and he was more of a special teams guy. Uh, and and so there, it that impact wasn't felt quite as much as some of the other ones. But then Matt Milano injures his his hamstring, and I'm pretty sure that it happened on the long pass play to Le'Veon Bell, but I'm not totally certain on that. I have to go back and watch. Uh, but he was at least like a a step and a half behind Le'Veon Bell, and that's usually not the case with Milano. He's he's usually great in in those uh, those one on one coverage instances. Uh, but then he suffers a hamstring injury, declared out. Then later on, um, Tremaine Edmonds gets a shoulder injury on the uh, J- Jamison Crowder wide receiver screen for a touchdown. And then later on, after that, Tyrell Dodson, who replaced Tremaine Edmonds ends up getting himself hurt as well and can't finish the game. We haven't heard anything what his injury is about, but that's four linebackers out of the six that they dressed that wound up getting injured. And it's just, I mean, they didn't really have to deal with a ton of adversity at linebacker last year. Tremaine Edmonds played in every single game. He would have taken 100% of snaps had the Bills not rested their starters in Week 17. And then you have Matt Milano, who only missed one game last year due to an injury. I mean, they really didn't have to to deal with all that much last season. But if either of those come back and where they they have to be without one of those guys or maybe even both, that's a huge development for this team going forward. Maybe not week two against Miami, but week three against the Rams. I mean, that that could be a big development. Of course, we have to find out more, but all those linebacker injuries was uh, not exactly fun for them. It looked like Tremaine Edmonds in their little post-game locker room video did not have any sort of sling on, did not have any ice on the shoulder, so maybe that's a decent sign. Don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We know so much more when we're actually in the locker room, able to see these right. guys and how they're like walking around and stuff, and we just don't have that anymore. Yeah, we, we don't have you know the same level of access, certainly, but we'll find out a little bit more. I, I think the hamstring injury to Matt Milano is a little bit more concerning on the surface uh, mm. based on the information yeah, sure. we have right now. He's had those before. Uh, he has a history of it. It's part of the reason he fell in the draft. And next week they're going down to Miami where it's probably going to be hot and you know humid. And we knew that soft tissue injuries would be a thing in a season like this one because these guys aren't conditioned the same way that they are uh, in a normal year. And uh, you, you've got a, you know, a, a different type of ramp up, um, you know, to the season and those types of things are going to pop up. It, it's, you know, a decent test for them early on to see how they deal with it. But Milano having another hamstring injury, uh, it's just something that, that pops up quite a bit for him. And, uh, you know, certainly Edmonds would be missed, uh, if that injury is significant, but, uh, this is a reminder of what they'll have to deal with at some point. Uh, if not, if it's mm-hmm. not now, uh, if these aren't serious injuries, they haven't, you know, been a team that's had to deal with a lot of injuries over the last few years. And so uh, I, I think, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with these ones. But you know, they've built their defense in a lot of ways, you know, around those linebackers, and those are guys that you know, allow them to do a lot of things in coverage, um, you know, because of the way, uh, they can, they can run and tackle. So not, not the two guys you would choose to lose from that defense, uh, two, two very good players. And 
AJ Klein being behind them is is nice though. That's like that's a nice little that cushions the blow, the blow a little bit. Um, he's not on their level, but he's not a slappy either. So um, you know, I think yeah. he's he's a guy that you know is all of a sudden became a much more important uh, signing. Yeah, I'll agree there. He um, he actually had no defensive snaps until Matt Milano um, got got injured, which is kind of funny. But that's the Bills were a nickel the entire game, um, and yeah, they they didn't go with a three linebacker look once uh, against the Jets today, which is probably more indicative of what the Jets were running than maybe what uh, the Bills were going against them with. But but yeah, that's uh, it kind of just a state of the NFL where, you know, you're a nickel way more often than base. But um, the one thing that they are losing and uh, when they go to AJ Klein and you're, you're right on there. I think he's having him is uh, definitely an upgrade in terms of um, your top two linebackers uh, over Lorenzo Alexander last year. Lorenzo really wasn't like your your prototypical linebacker. Klein definitely is. Uh, But there was one specific play where the Bills were desperately missing Milano. And that was on that wide receiver screen that went for a touchdown to Jamison Crowder. Now on that play, um, how they lined up pre-snap, uh, they they did the whole we're gonna try to confuse the quarterback and the and the offensive line by lining up everybody at the line of scrimmage. They put both Tremaine Edmonds and AJ Klein right over the center to try and get them to really get nervous and to shift their protection in the wrong way. Then just before Darnold snapped the ball, Edmonds came off that and uh, sprinted over to the sideline to get over to Jamison Crowder. But when Darnold snapped the ball. AJ Klein blitzed and the protections shifted enough to where AJ Klein was not blocked whatsoever. He was coming free right up the middle and he was able to get like maybe a hand on Darnold. But at that point, Darnold got the ball out of his hand. Now, if you switch out AJ Klein for Matt Milano with that exact play, Klein, as soon as the ball was snapped, there was a slight hesitation at the snap and that's something that Matt Milano is incredibly good at the reaction time to the snap and being able to to explode uh, right after the snap Uh, that is something he's really good at and he also has better closing speed than AJ Klein so when you are taking that out of the equation and if you put Matt Milano in that same spot and having that free shot at Sam Darnold I'm almost positive that that's either a an incompletion or probably a sack in in that instance, and that's that's just what you lose. That's how important this guy is, and it's just those little plays. And of course, it's it's blown up because it ends up being a touchdown. But still, even if it was only a, a ten yard gain, that's still a huge thing. Having you know, creating a negative play as opposed to allowing a first down. It's that that's that's the difference between winning and losing a lot of times. So. Um, the, Milano is a huge loss. He does so many little things for them that no one even realizes. Uh, he's he's so important to their operation. He really is. He, he's a he's a really good player. There's a reason people have been talking about you know getting him a contract. And this is in some ways a, a little bit of a a nice um, negotiation uh, tool, right? Like look at what the defense looks sure. like without me in it. But at the same time, it's the same injury that is probably causing them some hesitation about you know committing long term because 
of, you know, the way that he's constantly, you know, it seems to be fighting one of these every year. And the hope would be this one isn't serious and they should take it uh, as slow as possible because you don't want him back in this spot three, four weeks from now, um, especially like I mentioned with the weather down in Miami, um, you know, having to play in that type of environment at this point in the season, you know, you got to make sure that con- the conditioning is right. And conditioning is not just being in shape. It's, you know, having your body ready to play NFL games and the way that he plays them, um, the way he moves around, mm-hmm. the the quick twitch manner in which he's getting after things. So yeah, he, he's very, he's very much an important player. Can they live without him? Can they scheme around it? Probably, but uh, certainly right. this defense is what it is because of all these guys that kind of work uh, together and, and feed off of one another. One And Milano is uh, certainly one of the most important guys on that side of the ball. What do you say we hand out some awards? You into that? It's due time. Yeah. Um, we, we, have, we have not done this for a while. Uh, we are going to switch it up a little bit this year. Uh, we are going to bring back both Levante Davis and the Dre Archer Award because those awards are just awesome and i can't i can't part with those but we want we want to keep you on your toes and we want to get some some more awards in there so we are taking submissions for your award whether it be you know for being incredulous about something that happened or um, really just anything you suggest just tweet at uh both matthew and i and uh we'll we'll take it all under consideration we'll we'll figure something out when uh when we uh, reconvene for our post game, uh, post game podcast next week after the Bills take on the Miami Dolphins, but we do. I would say have that there's a, a, a certain journeyman quarterback who could probably. Uh, you use, know, I was just a, a I was trophy. just thinking of this. I think I I think I have it, and you know I didn't even run this by you before, but I heck why not? We're we're on the pod. Why not? We're all friends here. Um, I was thinking the Blaine Gabbert award for perseverance. I think it's, it's a fair, uh, <laughs> I, I like it. I, I think he would be honored. He'll probably will be, I'm sure he listens to this all the time. So <laughs> he listen he listens to it three times each episode. I hear. I, yeah, I would. I, he's, I also learned, was it today or yesterday? Somebody tweeted at me that his middle name is Williamson. I didn't know that. What? Yeah, it's kind of an aggressive middle name, but um, I'm guessing his dad's name is William, or his oh. grandfather's name is William. But um, he's just Williamson. Kind of an interesting, an interesting variation uh, of William. Yes, but I would agree. Blaine. All right, so we so we'll uh, we'll we'll do those those three things today, and then we'll we'll take an optional. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll bring in a, a fourth award, whichever you guys, uh, whichever one we like best that you guys suggest. Um, how about that? So we'll we'll kick it off with the favorite of of the show, the uh, the Dree Archer Award for for the player that uh, did not show up at all today. Um, and I'll lead off with that. Uh, I would like to give this to Taryn Johnson. I think. Um, he to me is someone that is kind of an under the radar weak spot of the defense. He um, is definitely a tough player, a good tackler. We know that about him, but the one area that he really hasn't improved and probably has gotten a little worse is just in coverage. 
Um, and when he's facing off against a receiver that's that has a good feet and a quick release, he often like freezes for a, a split second and then ends up having to to make up ground in on the route all the time. And that's a little bit of a concern. And, you know, Jamison Crowder had a had a pretty good day. The wide receiver screen was not Taron Johnson's fault by any means. That was just a, a play. I think Tredavious White got blocked on that play in addition to Taron Johnson. But all these other plays, all these other targets that Sam Darnold looked for Jameson Crowder, he was running open. There was one play that Crowder just flat dropped that would have been a huge gain. And he beat Taron Johnson completely on that play. So I'm going to give it to Taron Johnson. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, uh, how he responds um, next week um, after kind of a, a poor game for him. I'm going to take a different route here and give it to a guy that I bet people are glad didn't show up at all. And he literally did not show up at all. And that's Lee Smith. <laughs> Um, he was inactive, which wasn't all. You took it literally. Was not the case all that often last year. It wasn't that I was surprised no, right. to see Lee Smith inactive, but it was noteworthy. It was like, all right, Lee Smith is inactive. That's interesting. Um, honorary mention to AJ Epinesa, by the way, also inactive. Oh, true. Um, you know, right. second round pick not dressing for his first NFL game is fairly significant. Um, you know, both of those guys literally did not. Tri- show up in this game whatsoever and one is probably a welcome sign for bills fans if lee smith is inactive that means they're spreading it out and they're throwing the ball around the yard if aj epinesa is inactive that's a little bit of a different uh a little bit of a different feeling for bills fans but they have a deep defensive line he's got a bit of a road ahead of him developmentally um and you know there wasn't much use for him yeah. in there today uh frankly nope. you know there wasn't a, a role there and that in and of itself is uh, significant and worthy of Dre Archer mention. All right, let's go with the, the Vontae Davis Award for player that did not show up in the second half. Uh, I'm gonna have to think about this one. I don't, I don't know. It, it might it might be the the whole of the offense um, for 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 a while in that second half. It, it they just it, they kind of seemed asleep at the wheel, and it it kind of just felt like they were waiting for the clock to run out as opposed to going and, and trying to actually like claiming the victory. It was kind of a disappointment in the second half if, from a Bills fan's perspective, I would assume, right? Yeah, they have a bit of a third quarter problem. They seem to really hit a wall at times in the third quarter, and uh, which is why mm-hmm. I'll go with the, the running game here. Um, you know, Oh, sure. You're, yeah. you're up that much in the second half. You should really be able to put a team away with your running game. And they couldn't do it. And again, I've got to you know watch a little more closely to see what happened there. And it's a really good Jets run defense that they were up against. But um, you know you want to get more out of your running backs late in the game. It's why you spend two third round picks to have the guys that you have. It's why you spend all the money that you spend on the offensive line. It's to uh, kind of put a team away. And they 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 let the Jets hang around just a little bit too long. Yeah, they did. I think one of the reasons the running game maybe didn't get going a little bit was uh, because they really didn't focus on it. A lot of the the plays that they were calling um, were more conducive to passing, and uh, it definitely the formations they were calling wasn't really Zach Moss's game. I think he's more of the 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 downhill 
um, get the ball into his hand quickly. A lot of the, these were like delayed handoffs and things like that. And that's, I, that just doesn't really feel like Zach Moss's game. Uh, it's more so for Singletary, and I think that's why you saw Singletary kind of bust some some carries out. But um, but yeah, that I, I think I think that was probably a reason for some of it. And I'm sure there's going to be some weeks where uh, we see the run game as a as a focal point based on their opponent. All right, let's let's go with the the inaugural uh Blaine Gabbert award for perseverance. I think there's only one player here that that could be uh deserving of this. Who do you got? Tyler Bass. Tyler Bass. He did, Tyler Bass he, I, missed his first two, came back and hit the second two. He didn't I mean the Two he made weren't all that. Uh, I don't know if they're enough <laughs> to really get the confidence going. He persevered, okay, uh, but he did at least make them. Um, sure, the two misses, he might have made the first one. The two misses were bad. Um, yeah, there was you know the first one. You, it, it's funny. This was a topic I you know wrote about this week and you know talked to a few kickers who have you know been pretty good as rookies and. Steve Christie mentioned that he missed his first field goal at home and the fans booed him. And he was, he basically said, he's like, I'm, my career hinges on what I do next. Like they will bring guys in and try guys out in a few days. If I don't get this together, I don't know if the bills will do that, but another game like that. And they probably will. And, um, you know, I think in this case, Tyler Bass benefited quite a bit from, no fans being there um, because he would have heard it, um, you know, after those two kicks, I think. And that would have just added to the pressure. There's something about, you know, certainly he knows everybody's watching, but the empty stadium, I think, you know, takes a little something off it. He didn't make any field goals of consequence uh, today and, you know, of significant length either. So the wind in that stadium takes some getting used to. And he found that out. Definitely. You know, quickly. Um, I think he should probably spend all week at practice over there and not at the field house fields, in my humble opinion. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably right. Um, are there any other candidates for the Blaine Gabbert award of perseverance? I'm going to go with, uh, Stefan Diggs because not that, oh, he, yeah, not that sure. he was bad in the first half. He wasn't, uh, he got a couple catches early. Um, and you know, but he, he was, you know, dealing with some some different coverages. He was like getting held a lot, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, there was there was reasons where he could get frustrated and have gotten, you know, bummed out that you know he wasn't getting the ball. But I think he had a really good second half. Uh, I think he was mm -hmm. uh, a big reason why they were able to get things going a few times. And and yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to him. And everybody talked about his can-do positive attitude. So um, what better? Uh, what better guy to to get the inaugural uh, Blaine Gabbard Award? <laughs> All right, okay. So the Bills are a are a one and O team. They have successfully defeated the New York Jets. If they didn't beat that team, who oh boy, it would have been a, a an on fire uh, Twitter of uh, of Bills fans because that that is a bad Jets team, and they look they look like they are in the running for the number one overall pick. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of today. teams are going to say they successfully beat the New York Jets. I feel like yeah, that would be a common phrase not on Sundays. That is a bad team. Oh, uh, that was that was 
I mean, there are a lot of bad teams, and there were a lot of bad teams on paper that were supposed to be bad, but uh, ended up winning today, like Jacksonville, Washington. Both of those teams won in games that, you know, uh, they beat, and Jacksonville beat the Colts, and Washington beat the Eagles. Those are two potential playoff contenders. So you don't really know what's going on in the NFL, but we do know the Jets stink, and uh, the Bills did away with them, as they should have. Okay. So that'll do it for us. Uh, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell for our uh, Gabertians out there? The Jets being lousy is the normalcy we all needed in 2020. And so it felt good <laughs> for three hours that something was right. <laughs> well stated. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. And we will talk to you uh, later this coming week for our preview podcast of the Bills game against the Miami Dolphins. Talk to you then.